Welcome to the Center Ranch Church Weekly Podcast. We believe that faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Thanks so much for checking out the podcast. Here's this week's message. Good to see you this morning. Thank you so much for being here today. I believe today is going to be a great, great day. We started a series just a couple of weeks ago where we're going through the book of Acts. We're going to continue that this morning. Uh, If you were here when we began the series, I, I said a couple of things about the series. One, I asked if you would be reading through the book of Acts on your own, just allowing God to speak to you, so I hope that you're doing that. If not, encourage you this week, just in your own devotional time, just start working your way through the book of Acts. Told you about a, a tool or a resource that might be useful to you. Uh, it's something we have in the bookstore. It's just the book of Acts with like places to take notes all throughout it. And so if this would be helpful to you, we have those available out at the bookstore. It's good to take notes. It's good to take notes when you're in church. It's good to take notes when you study the Word of God, just to be ready to write down what God is speaking to you, what He's showing you, what you're learning. It's worth, it's worth writing those things down so you can go back and reflect on it. And, you know, you don't just write things down so you can remember them later. You write things down so you can remember it now. It just helps to get it ingrained, ingrained in you. So I encourage you, if you're not going to make use of something like this, get yourself a notebook and, you know, take notes as we go through the the book of Acts. I told you that this, as we go through it in, in Sunday mornings, it's not going to be an exhaustive study. And by that, I mean, we're not going to talk about everything in the book of Acts because there's so many things we could dig into and there's so much for us to learn. So we're going to leave a lot of meat on the bone as far as the book of Acts is concerned. But we want to be sensitive to what the Lord would emphasize to us as a church family. So I'd ask you to be believing with me that as we go through the book of Acts, the things that really need emphasized to us as a church family, that's, that's what would come across. And those are the things that we would focus on. I also shared that I believe this is a special series. This is a special series for our our church. It already is a special series. We've had a bunch of people filled with the Holy Spirit just last week. God's, God's moving. God's doing something fresh in us. I'm excited about it. So I'd ask you to be believing with me along those lines as well. This is going to be a special series. This will be a series that, that we look back on in the future and say, you know what? That things, things change. When we did that series on Acts, that's when things seem to shift. And it's not like, it's not like things are bad in our church and we're believing for God that they would get good right? Things are great. Think we've got a great church full of wonderful people, but we know that there's deeper, that there's higher, that there's better. We want to keep on pressing. We don't want to plateau. So things are great. We want them to get uh, greater. Amen. So just believe in this is a time where God's going to do something, take us, take us and mold us and shape us more into what he wants us, what he wants us to be. So we started the series a couple of weeks ago. We started off talking about how it says in Acts chapter one, verse one, refers to the Gospels and says, considering the former account, talking about the Gospel of Luke, all that Jesus began to do and teach. And so we talked about that a little bit, that all that's included in the Gospels, all of the miracles, the healings, the wonderful things that Jesus did, the the wonderful things that he taught, that that wasn't the conclusion when he died and ascended, rose from the dead and ascended into heaven. That wasn't the conclusion of Jesus' ministry. That was just the beginning of his ministry. That was just the beginning. Jesus was just getting started and there shouldn't be a drop off in the ministry of Jesus in advancing the kingdom of God. That the church today shouldn't be looking back at 
the good old days of when Jesus was really effective, we should be seeing an increase. Jesus said you'll do the same works and even greater and even greater works. And in one sense, and you have to understand what I mean by this, when Jesus was here ministering in the flesh, that he he was limited in a sense that there was just one of him. But he went to heaven and made a way for us to receive his Holy Spirit so that there could be many Jesus, many people that are Christ-like, living like Jesus. That same power that rose Jesus from the dead, the Bible says it dwells in us. So the power that it was active in Jesus' life, now it can be active not just in one person, but in hundreds and thousands and millions of people. So th this should be the, the sweetest, most powerful, most effective time for Jesus to minister because he can minister through so many of us. Amen. So it was just the beginning of all that Jesus started to do and to teach. We talked about how Jesus is alive and well. He wants to continue to do what he started doing in the gospel accounts. Then last week, we looked at Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 1, Jesus said to wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. He said, you'll, you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So we talked about baptism in the Holy Spirit. The disciples were familiar with the Holy Spirit. They'd known about him. He's in the Old Testament. In John chapter 14, Jesus said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He said, whom you know, he's with you and he will be in you. So they were familiar with the Holy Spirit. And after Jesus resurrected from the dead, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. But in Acts chapter one, he says, you're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So they had a familiarity. They had experiences with the Holy Spirit. But this being baptized in the Holy Spirit, this was something different than what they had known up until that point. So we talked about how there's an initial experience in salvation, but there is a second work, baptism in the Holy Spirit, being, being filled to overflow, being covered up with, with the Holy Spirit. We talked about that. We talked about how the disciples had a vast amount of knowledge, a lot of experience. They'd been with Jesus in his three years of ministry. They had heard the voice of the Father speak about Jesus. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. They saw Jesus die. They saw the resurrected Lord Jesus. They spent 40 days with him. They saw Jesus ascend into the sky and angels appeared and talked to them. All kinds of amazing experiences. But still, Jesus said, you need to wait until you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That there's really, that they could have preached basically the same thing without the Holy Spirit. They could have talked about how Jesus was the Messiah. They could have talked about how he was the son of God, how he died for our sins, how he rose from the dead, how he ascended into heaven, how he's coming back again. They could have said all of those things, but it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have borne the fruit or had the impact without the power of the Holy Spirit working on the inside of them. They had the ability, their own ability, they could inform people. But God wanted to give them power to transform people. And so... They needed to rely not on their own strength and their own intellect and their own past experience, but to have a reliance on the power of the Holy Spirit ministering in them. We even talked about what would it have looked like if they said, now nah, let's skip that. Let's just start telling people. Let's just go out and start informing people. It, it would have probably looked like what a lot of the church looks like today. Information being conveyed, people talking about a lot of great stuff, but a lack of power and a lack of impact. So we need to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. We looked at Galatians chapter three, verse three, where it says, how could you be so foolish after having begun in the spirit that you're now trying to be perfected in the flesh? That that's true for us as individuals that, that we began our walk in the, with the Lord by the power of the Holy Spirit. So it's foolish to shift over to working from the, from the standpoint of our own ability and our flesh, but it's also true for the church at large. 
that Acts chapter two, the day of Pentecost, that was the birthing of the church. The church was born. How was it born? How did it all begin? By the power, by a mighty move of the spirit of God. How foolish it is to think that we can improve or carry out the work by shifting into relying on our own cleverness and our own wisdom. We've got to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. And when we, where we have been foolish, and we have been foolish, where we have tried on our own effort just to repent and make those corrections. Say, Lord, I've, I've tried in my own effort. I'm sorry. I, it's got to be your spirit. I realize it has to be a moving of your spirit. Amen. We talked about how the, the baptism in the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 1 and 2 is referred to as the promise of the Father and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Because sometimes people struggle. They struggle to receive the Holy Spirit for whatever reason. But to understand it's the promise of the Father. That Jesus said, wait for the promise of the Father. What an amazing promise that of the thousands of promises in the word of God, Jesus could say the promise and the disciples don't say, hey, could you clarify like which promise? They knew when you say the promise, it's this amazing promise that you and I can receive the Spirit of God in our lives. That it's not just for kings, not just for, for prophets, for everyday people like you and me. I can have the Spirit of God, the promise promise of, of the, what an amazing promise. And you can understand God wants you to have it, not by your striving and straining and trying to earn it. God, it's the gift of the Holy, the Holy Spirit. We also talked about the environment where God began to move. It says they were all in one place and in one accord. In fact, we took time to pray to get ourselves in one accord. We're all in one place. We might as well be, all be in one accord. So let's do that again this morning, just to, to line up our hearts and our minds, our desires, whatever reason you came this morning, we can make a shift right now to say, you know what, from this point moving forward, I'm here because I want what God has for me. God, I came because my wife drugged me here. I came because I'm supposed to go out to lunch with so-and-so. I came so this person wouldn't think I'm a bad person. Whatever the reason is, from this point forward, it's because I'm hungry for you, God. We were all, all in, in one accord. Father, we love you. We thank you for your presence. Lord, we can already sense that you're here that you've inhabited the praises of your people. And Lord, we ask that you'd speak to us from your word. Holy Spirit, come and teach us. We look to you. Lord, we want to align our hearts to be in one accord. We desire you, God. We want what you have for us. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear, a spirit of revelation and understanding. Lord, by your grace, bring us into harmony, into unity, that our desire would be for you, Lord. We praise you and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to Acts chapter two. You know, one of the, the benefits of having the book of Acts and going through it as a church like we are is that you've, you've got an account of what the church looked like at the very beginning. So in a sense, you sort of have the church like in its purest form right? Uh, that there's a tendency to drift in every area of life, and the church really isn't any different, that you can start to get off track, and you can start to drift different directions. But going back and looking at how this whole thing began, it allows us to see some of the key building blocks. What were some of the key principles that got this thing started and helped the, the early church to be so effective and be so powerful? So as we go through it, we want to kind of highlight and learn. If we're off track, let's get ourselves on, on track as we look at the early church. And so that's what we want to do. Acts chapter 2. We'll start reading in verse 37. Up until this point in Acts chapter 2, we read it last week. God's poured out his spirit. It's the day of Pentecost. They start speaking in other tongues. They leave the upper room and go out into the streets in Jerusalem. People hear them speaking in their own language. 
They think these guys are crazy. They think that they're drunk. And Peter begins to preach. And he preaches this message about how, how Jesus was the son of God. He was the Messiah. And he calls the, the people out and says, but you turned him over to the Romans to be, to be crucified. But God raised him from the dead. He's, he's preaching along these lines. He says, what you see now, this is the promise of the father. This is what was told in the book of Joel, that God was gonna pour out his spirit on all flesh, your sons and your daughters and old men and young men. The Holy Spirit would be available for all of us. This is, this is what's going on. So Peter preaches this message. That's where we're picking it up in verse 37. It says, now when they heard this, what Peter had been preaching, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now I wanna keep reading the next couple of verses and I've already, already mess, mentioned this, but I really feel like it's important for people to understand that the Holy Spirit is a gift and God wants you to receive the gift. If you know Jesus, God wants you to have the gift of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And something has made it hard for people to receive, whether it's religion, whether it's bad teaching, whether it's just confusion, something has made it difficult for believers to receive the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I've known people that have struggled for years and tried and tried and tried. Galatians 3.14 says we can receive the promise of the Holy Spirit through, through faith. God wants you to receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit, not by your effort, not by your straining, not by your merit, not by earning it in any way, just because God is so good, he wants to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father. Any father who is on their own got a gift for their child would be frustrated if something was keeping that child from receiving the gift that they had gone out of their way to make sure that child could receive. So I believe it frustrates the father. Again, whether it's religion, confusion, whatever it is, God wants those things removed. He wants you to re just receive. And from, from this point on, it's referred to as receiving the Holy Spirit. No more tearing, no more waiting. The emphasis is simply on people, they just received they just receive the Holy Spirit. Some people, I, I've been trying to receive for you. I guess I still have more tearing to do. No, you just have some receiving to do. Just receive the Holy Spirit. If you've not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but you know Jesus as your Savior, don't leave here today without receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, then don't leave here today without knowing Jesus as your Savior and then receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's important that we have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Verse 39, for the, the promise, the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized and that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. It says those who gladly received, the people that were just listening and drinking it in and receiving it, that those were baptized, 3,000 people. This is the, the church is born. Thousands of people are baptized and, and come into relationship with Jesus. In verse 37, where we started, it says, when they heard... Peter talking about Jesus being the Messiah, how you can be saved, be saved from this perverse generation. When they heard this, what was their response? Their response was, what do I need to do? 
what must, what must we do? That's important because in that response, you can sense the desire. There is a hunger. There is a thirst. It wasn't just, that's a nice message. It wasn't, those are great things. When Peter was preaching, they didn't say, well, that's really, that's really neat, Peter. We appreciate you sharing that with us. That, man, that is fantastic. Thanks for telling us those great things about Jesus. And then went on with their day. This is a different kind of response. Not just that they liked it. There was a hunger and a desire that their response was, what, what do I need to do? You tell me, how do I have what you're talking about? How do I have Jesus in all this fullness? How do I receive the gift of the Holy Spirit? You just tell me and whatever you say, I'm going to do it. There was a hunger and a thirst. And if we're gonna pay attention to the early building block, of how the church was launched, this is key. There was a hunger. There was a desire. You see, they received it gladly. They said, what must we do? Even in the upper room, when they were waiting for the promise of the Father, the fact that they were waiting the way they were shows that there was a desire, a longing. We talked about it last week. They were desirous. God, whatever you have, I, I don't care how long I have to wait. I don't have anything better to do than receiving all that you have for me. This is something that I believe God wants to emphasize in our church, that there needs to be a hunger and a thirst, a desire for the things of God. If you've been here the last couple of months, one of the things that's resurfaced over and over, and we felt like God was speaking to us, is that we need to be willing to wait on the Lord. It, it continued to resurface. Even that waiting, again, it expresses a longing, a desire. We need to have a hunger and thirst for God. A church that is content where it is won't go any further than it is. Believers that are content where they are won't go any further than where they are. It's important that we're hungry and thirsty because you can only receive in proportion to your level of desire. God can't give you more than you have a hunger and a thirst for. In one sense, it really doesn't matter what God wants you to have. What matters is what you desire to have because God wants you to have all of it. He wants to fill you. He wants to pour out blessings. God wants to do wonderful things in you and in your family and in our church. What limits us often is our lack of desire, a lack of a hunger and a thirst. And even as we go through the book of Acts, God wants to emphasize this. I believe he wants to open our eyes to see what's available. Sometimes that's what it takes to kindle a hunger, to kindle a desire, is you didn't realize what all was, what all was available. If you ever ordered something at a restaurant, then you get your order, you look around, oh, I, I, didn't, I didn't know I could have that. Once you see, no, I, want, I, want, I just ordered a burger. I didn't know I could get two patties on this burger. I didn't know I could get two patties and a fried egg. on. I, I want that. You see somebody else order it, and it conjures up. As a, okay, a bunch of healthy eaters. Speaking for myself, you see, you see, I didn't know I could get extra lettuce on my salad, whatever it is for you. You see, I didn't know it came that way, and it, it creates a desire in you. As we read through the book of Acts, we'll see what all is available, what God wants to do in us as believers. We'll see people that shake a community, that shake a region, that end up shaking the world. This is a, they turn the world upside down, that God can move in power through us. We can know Him intimately, we can know His presence in a sweet, real way. That being a Christian isn't about being a, a 
part of a dry religious group, that we should know the power and the presence of God, seeing people's lives changed, people healed, miracles take place, but we've got to see it and create a desire. God, I didn't know we could have, that's what I want. I don't want to just come in and out of a building a couple times a month. God, I want all that you have for me. But again, what keeps us from having oftentimes is we just don't have a desire, a genuine hunger and thirst for the deep things of God. God, I want to go further. I want to go higher. I want to move forward with you. If I don't have that desire, there's nothing God can do if I'm not hungry for it. God wants to stir up a desire. Help us to realize, Lord, you've been waiting on me to move. You haven't really desired. You haven't hungered. You haven't given me space to move. This, this, is, this is a principle in the word of God. When you see something over and over and over again, it, it, it's a principle. It's the way that God works. I just want to share a few scriptures with you just to show you a sampling of how thorough this is. Isaiah 44, 3, it says, For I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. Where does this pouring out begin? God starts talking about pouring out his spirit, bringing a flood. Where does it start? It starts where you are thirsty. I will pour out where you are thirsty. Isaiah 55, verse one. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. And if you read that passage, it goes on talking about this invitation to come enjoy incredible blessings the riches of God, to be satisfied, not with temporal things, but what God has for us. Who is that invitation going out to? Where does that invitation begin? Everyone who what? Everyone who thirsts. That, that's who the invitation is. So you have to conclude that if you aren't thirsty, you're not invited to the blessing that God is talking about. That invitation is specific. Everyone who thirsts. Let me tell you about the riches of God, the goodness of God, all the great things God has for you. But the requirement to respond to that is you have to be thirsty. It, it goes for people who are thirsty. Matthew 5 Verse six, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Where does the filling occur? With those who are hungry and those who are thirsty. Let me flip over to John chapter seven. John chapter seven, you're familiar with this passage? Verse 37, it says, on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow, or out of his innermost being, out of his belly, will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Jesus talking about the flow of the Holy Spirit. Where would that flow of the Holy Spirit originate? With those who come and drink. Why are they invited to come and drink? Again, that invitation is anyone who is thirsty. Those who are thirsty, Jesus is calling people to himself, but not everyone, everyone who is, everyone who is thirsty. God wants to pour out his spirit. God wants to move in powerful ways. God wants to use people like you and me to shake a community, to shake a region, to, to impact the world. But he's limited by our capacity to hunger and thirst. Even the word that came forth this morning. Talk about people with wide mouth jars and small mouth jars, a capacity to receive. People with small mouths and large mouths, we're starting to talk about 
bass for a minute, but it was talking about... I was trying not to look at anybody when he said large mouths. Just keep receiving. He's talking about our, our ability to get everything else. Sometimes we satisfy ourselves with things that don't really satisfy. Fill our stuff with stuff because I know I need something. I know I've got this void in me, so we start stuffing ourselves with full. We find that it doesn't satisfy, so we think I just need more, more stuff. I've got to get rid of those things and desire. God, only you satisfy. God, I'm after you. Lord, I am hungry and thirsty for, for you. Instead of quenching that thirst falsely, getting myself sick on the things of this world and killing my thirst for the things of God. God, I'm gonna clear those things out. I, I desire you. God wants to move, but do we really desire? What, what is your level of thirst for the things of God? Not, you, you know the religious answer. Oh, I'm very thirsty. Are you really? Are you really thirsty for the things of God? Do we need to examine ourselves and say, if I'm not thirsty, I, I need to repent. God, forgive me. I'm not, I don't desire you the way that I should. Help me. And God will meet you where you are. Maybe you realize this morning, I'm not thirsty, but I want to be thirsty. So you're, you're thirsty to be thirsty. Or I'm thirsty to be thirsty to be, however many thirsties you are back, just tell the Lord, that, Lord, I'm thirsty to be thirsty to be thirsty. That's just where I am. Would you help me? God, God will meet you where you are. There's no sense in faking or pretending. God, I, don't, I just don't desire you the way that I should, Would you, but I want to desire you the way I should. Meet me where I'm at. Lord, stir up a fresh hunger. Help open the eyes of my heart so I know what's available. God, I want the deep things of God because supply is in proportion to our desire, even, even in the natural the way that God designed bodies. When a mother is breastfeeding, and I don't have personal experience, so I'm, I'm gleaning this from, from others. I've heard, people, I've heard people talk about it. I asked my wife, she confirmed. Sometimes when a mother is breastfeeding and the baby cries, that there is a supply that comes in the moment of the crying, that the milk comes in or whatever the term is, that there is a physical response at the cry. So even in, even in that sense, that supply comes in response to what? A longing, a hunger, a thirst. The same thing happens spiritually, that supply is directly related to having people that are willing to cry out, God, I desire you. Lord, I don't, I don't want to just chase after temporal things. I'm hungry and I'm thirsty for you. God says he's looking for people. He desires to pour himself out, but what limits him? What frustrates him is having a lack of people that are hungry. He pours himself out where there's a desire. So where there's no desire, he can't do what he, what he wants to do. Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse nine. For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. The eyes of the Lord running all over, run to and fro, back and forth. He's looking all over the place looking to strongly support, or another translation says, to show himself strong and those whose hearts are completely his. God, I haven't given my heart to this world. God, I haven't given my heart. I, I'm not messing around with stuff. Lord, I know there's something deep. I'm thirsty. I understand this world doesn't satisfy me. I'm not looking for more stuff. I'm not looking for another pleasurable experience. God, I'm thirsty for you. I'm, my heart is completely yours. It says that his eyes are running to He's looking for someone like that. The, the way I imagine it is God just looking around. He's scanning. His eyes are darting back and forth. 
but he sees people and everyone's heads are down because they're just satisfied with what's going on. They're concerned with what's going on with work, what's happening with vacation. They got this going on, this relationship, what's happening there. We're just tangled up in the affairs of this earth and it keeps us just kind of preoccupied. And he's looking for someone that would peel their eyes and their attention and their longing off the things of the earth, this earth and begin to look to him. And he's just looking to catch someone's eyes. Anyone looking for me? Does anyone desire me? And if he could just catch eyes with somebody, just lock eyes. God, I've been looking for you. You've been looking for me. Now he's got someone that he can, he can work with and pour himself out and show himself strong. That's happening this morning. The eyes of the Lord are running to and fro. He's looking for someone. God, God, I'm hungry for you. I want you. Lord, let, let me catch your eye. Let our eyes lock up this morning. Find people here that you can show yourself strong. We're hungry and we're thirsty for you. Jeremiah 29, 13. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your, I mean, over and over, this is a principle. You'll search and find God when you search with all your heart. God, I, I just want you. All I want is you, God. Without you, I, I have nothing. If I have you, I, I have everything. Lord, I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty for you. So if we want to have what the early church had, number one, is to ask this kind of question like they did. What must I do? What, what must I do? God, you tell me. What must I do to have all that you have for me? What must I do to know Jesus? What must I do to have this fullness of the spirit that, I, that I've heard about, what Peter was preaching, your spirit, but what you tell me, what must I do? I'll do anything. I desire that. I desire you, Lord, more than I desire anything. That's the start. That's how the church was born. People with that kind of hunger and that kind of thirst. But sometimes, sometimes we're more like the rich young ruler than we are like the people in Acts chapter two. Let me read you about the rich young ruler in Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19, it says, now behold, one came and said to him, good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? So he said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good, but one that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, which ones? Jesus said, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these things... I have kept from my youth. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, go and sell what you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful for he had many possessions. This guy came to Jesus, so he obviously has a respect for Jesus. He obviously thinks Jesus is a great guy. Jesus has a lot of insight. And what was his desire? His desire was, what do I need to do to have eternal life? Which is a good desire to have. But when Jesus said, here, if you, if you really want all that I have for you, go and empty yourself of all of your attachments to this world. Come and follow me. Come and be with me. You'll walk with me. I'll use you. I'll pour into you. We can walk together. And at that, it says he walked away sorrowful because he had a lot of stuff. He had a lot of interest. There was a lot of things that he was into. Sometimes that's our approach with Jesus. We think he's great. We have a lot of respect for Jesus. 
but we're really just interested in eternal life. I just, I just want to go to heaven. I just don't want to go to hell. And when Jesus calls us into something deeper and sweeter, whoa, 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 Jesus, I'm not, I'm not sure I'm ready for all of that. Let's not get carried away. I just, you know, I just want to get to heaven as far as, you know, give you everything and come and follow you and walk with you. Like easy, easy does it. I just, I just don't want to burn. I, I think you're great, but let's not get carried away with this thing. And he, and he walks sadly away. See, he, he, want, he still want to do his thing. He still want to enjoy this life. And sometimes that, that's our response. That he, he was hungry up to a point, but he was more thirsty to continue enjoying this world than thirsty. Lord, I want all that you have for me. Sometimes people, he knew there was something missing. What, what else do I lack? I know, I know there's something lacking. He felt that void. He felt that something's off. But his attachment to temporary things kept him kept him from receiving. His lack of hunger limited what Jesus could do in his life. Same thing is true for us. We can't go any further than what we're hungry to go. And where our hunger ends, our progress ends. Where our thirst ends, our advancement ends. You know, I, I get to church really early on Sunday mornings. I like to come and pray. I like to go over my message. And as I was going over it this morning, I got to this point, and this was kind of like the intro to where I thought we were going in the rest of Acts chapter two. I just felt strong. No, this is it. Stop right there. That's it. God wanted to emphasize this. We, we need to be hungry and thirsty for the Lord. And in my arguing with God, God, I've got some good stuff that I want to talk about. I'm kind of going back and forth with the Lord and wrestling with just ending things right here. One of my arguments was, God, there's, there's like a wide span of people, as if he doesn't know. Lord, there's people in all different places and not, not everyone needs, needs to stir up hunger and thirst. There's gonna be people, there's people that are hungry and thirsty. What about them? And I felt like the Lord spoke this to my heart. It's not just about being hungry and thirsty. The point isn't to be thirsty. The point is to drink and receive what Jesus has for us. One just leads to the other. So for you, if you're, you're already thirsty, awesome. God just wants to let you drink this morning. He just wants you to receive. He just wants you to, to enjoy his presence. That river of living water that we read about in John chapter seven. Jesus, as the scripture says, rivers of living water will flow out of them. Well, if you search the scriptures, the, the closest thing you can find is Ezekiel chapter 47, where there's a river flowing out of the temple and it brings life everywhere that it goes. And as I was reading that this morning, the part that stuck out to me was, talks about this river flowing. And one translation says, where, where it met salty water, it became fresh. Or where it meets dead water, it becomes alive. And I just felt that strong this morning. If we just enjoy the, the flow of God's spirit, living water flowing this morning, there's some people that somewhere along the lines became salty, became bitter, became disappointed. God wants to bring, just to refresh you in his presence this morning. Wherever that flow of life, that river of living water, the presence of God, the flow of the spirit, wherever it went, what was salty, it became fresh. Where that river goes, there's refreshing, there's restoration, there's healing, it brings life. Just for, for people that are thirsty, just to, to drink, to receive, 
to be refreshed this morning. And if you're not hungry, if you're not thirsty, like we just mentioned, just confess that to the Lord. Maybe there's some things you realize, Lord, I've been so attached to this. My eyes have been down. I, I want to peel them off of whatever has caught my, my attention, my adoration. By your grace, Lord, sever whatever needs to be severed so I can hunger and thirst for you. God, I don't want to be limited in my capacity to receive. Expand my hunger. Expand my desire for you this morning. God, I repent of being so satisfied with things that don't, that aren't what you have for me. So two things, ask God, stir up a fresh hunger and a thirst for us as individuals, for us as a church. Again, we can't go further than we're hungry to go. God can't do what he wants to do unless we're desirous to expand our hunger and thirst. And for those of us that are thirsty, just to receive. Well, that's this week's message. Thanks for joining us. To stay connected with us throughout the week, make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook. You can also watch previous week's services on our YouTube page.